Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I have the pleasure of talking to Bill Muir. Bill is a former Army combat veteran, a martial artist, a published author, a registered nurse, a musician, and he's been vegan since 1992. Whoa. He is a role model for anyone who is trying to learn how to piece the different facets of our identities together. And he's also a lovely human who stuck with it throughout the many technology issues we had to get this episode recorded. You'll hear some fuzziness throughout, but I hope you enjoy it no matter what. Here we go. All right. So again, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You're, you're quite welcome. Um, first question I like to ask is just kind of a question about you. So the podcast is Consciously Clueless. Cool. And um, that name came from this place of wanting to acknowledge how life, sometimes you feel like you're totally with it. You get it. You're conscious. You're on top of it. And then other moments you're like, no idea what I'm doing. I'm so clueless. Um, so how are you feeling in this moment on that spectrum? In this moment? Well, uh, full disclosure, as an RN who works nights, I just worked a 13-hour shift. So I've been, I, this is normally past my bedtime. It's 09.06 my time. So you have slightly altered mental status in the hospital we would call AMS. I'm slightly like that, but it also, and usually there's two versions of me when I'm sleepy like this, kind of like loopy me, and that's where I'm now, and there's also grumpy cat me. Luckily, you have like loopy, kind of like silly, friendly. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, this will be fun versus my, some of my coworkers like me better when I'm grumpy because I, I come up with uh, like little funny quips, but that's not meant to be funny it's just be like like ah. yeah. so um you just said rn so take me through that journey i guess and i'm guessing there's a lot of pieces to it because on instagram you're sergeant vegan yes ma'am um so your bio is vegan combat veteran registered nurse there's a lot to unpack there that was originally so before all that, I was in bands. So if there was more lines, I would add, I, I used to be in a punk rock band or whatever. And I, I did, some, did some projects that got kind of slightly nerd famous. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then the thought is, do I add that too? Sometimes I'll mention that. If you look through the post, I'll, I'll go through that. But then, then it's like, how much, how much do I want to add? And do I want to like like confuse people. I don't right. know. Right. Um, so tell me about your time as a combat veteran. Sure. Uh, so I joined the service after 9-11. So pre-9-11, mm -hmm. I was living in Japan. So my whole career up until that point, my first degree is a bachelor's in Japanese. I didn't know what I would do with the bachelor's in Japanese. So I moved to Japan. I wanted to become a translator. I started moving to become a translator. I, I studied martial arts. Wow. I, uh, as, a, as a vegan straight edge individual, very heavy into the punk uh, and 
like hardcore music scene. I started getting into bands and playing in bands in the Tokyo scene. And that led me to sing on the Final Fantasy X soundtrack. And then so I started moving toward trying to make, I wouldn't say a career, but I sort of do like little TV spots. And then I think like, hmm, I wonder if I could make something of, right. you know, of this whole thing. Then 9-11 hit and it was like a punch in the face. Like I had been living abroad for so long. And I, at that point, I didn't even, I guess it, I guess I wasn't even really thinking of myself as an American, whatever that means. Mm. Like, cause mm -hmm. I had been, most of my friends were in American. I, most of my friends were either Japanese or British or Australian expats. And it, it just was like, my whole world was rocked. And yeah. I mean, everybody too, that was, a, a, uh, whether you were here in the States or whether you're abroad, it just, it just felt like the end of days or something like that. Right. And so I thought like, okay, first thing I'll do is maybe I'll, cause there was a feeling I'm kind of one of those people that has to do something. I, mm -hmm. I'm that it's, one of my many uh, character flaws is uh, <laughs> I feel like I have to always do something or fix something. So I, I relate to that. Our, our, our um, strengths are sometimes our weaknesses, right? Yep. So after 9-11, after I started organizing benefit shows for, uh, I think, children who's on. I started to realize that we were all less than good things in Afghanistan dropping bombs on civilians. So then I started also hmm. making some of the benefits toward the children who, who had died in, in bombings in Afghanistan and joined the military and do something like hands-on. So I did just that. I left Japan. I went home, I, I joined the army and I became a medic. And there was, there was I guess, uh, a couple minor uh, twists and turns along the way that I bring up in my book. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I thought about becoming a ranger, uh, originally special forces. So with the ranger, there, that went kind of a side project. I ended up becoming a paratrooper with the 173rd Airborne. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I served in Afghanistan for a year. And I often thought while I was there, wouldn't it be ironic if uh, we were killing some of the people that benefited from some of my benefit shows? Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah. And so after getting back from the States, I thought, okay, what do I really want to do with my life at this time? And I, the thought was more than anything, I want to start a vegan restaurant. I want to help make the world a better place and politics and war and the military. I didn't think any of that really did it, but just stopping the global destruction, climate change, and the really inhumane practice of slaughterhouses, mm -hmm. or at least contributing to people having an alternative would be, I mean, a step in the right direction. So I went to culinary school. Oh, wow. Then I started trying to open a restaurant and not having partners and having capital at that time, I just kind of like, kind of wondered what I was going to do with it. And it was 2008. I don't think vegan had really taken off. Yeah, you were ahead of the curve. Yeah, I was a little too ahead of my time, uh, which 
ironically, had it taken off, maybe it would have, I mean, even if it had done really well with COVID, who knows what would have happened. Right. But uh, 2010, the Haiti earthquake happened. And once again, I felt like that I need to do something. So uh, an NGO brought me to Haiti and I worked in Haiti uh, just because I still had my certification as a medic. Okay. And that got me to thinking, you know what, maybe I should uh, postpone this whole restaurant stuff for a bit. Maybe I'll go back in working like this. And that led to becoming a nursing assistant, which led me to going back in the military. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I, I didn't realize so much as I just kind of slipped back in, but in the reserves. And I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed being in the reserves. I then started taking classes to become a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. I started working at the VA. I got my certification. My, I went through nursing school, got my nursing certification, went back in the VA, went back, went to, to Florida, which was my first job uh, with, back with the VA, but as an RN. Okay. And I had that thought again of, man, I, I went to culinary school and I had spent all this time trying to make something with the whole vegan thing. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of left me with like this, like maybe lost time or, or I had compiled all this information from, you know, my time in culinary school, these vegan recipes to just all these ideas. So I started thinking, maybe I'll put it in a book and then maybe I'll make that book like the least hippie, uh, most accessible vegan guide that's ever made. Because most, mm -hmm. most of the vegan books I've seen are great, but they come from a very different granola-y, patchouli-y place that might not be as accessible to like the average Joe or something. Right, like that. for sure. So I came up with Vegan Strong because the the motto for the army at the time that I was in was Army Strong. So I was like, hmm, maybe I'll just grab that. The time as I was writing it and had I had decided on that, I thought, man, maybe these guys will come after me because there was oh. no other anything strong. And then the strong happened and then almost after this, the school shootings and such, almost mm. every area added a strong after their name. So kind of it wasn't as uh, unique at that point, but there was less, a lot less chance the army was ever going to be grumpy at me. Right. And uh, yeah, exactly. I hear you. So I thank you for sharing all that. I literally had to grab a piece of paper because I was taking a few notes because I was like, I have so many questions <laughs> um, given everything you've done. So I'm curious about a lot of things, but when you said that you're, you know, someone who needs to like, I need to do something, I need to fix, I need to be a part of the solution. Did you have any military people in your family or anything like that? I'm curious to go from I'm living in Japan in bands <laughs> working as a translator to be like, yeah, I think I should join the military. That's a good question. My dad was in the Navy. Okay. And my uncle was in the army, but neither of their experiences really played into mine. I, I think I went pre going vegan. I had thought about joining the military and what had kind of actually uh, stopped me was the fact that they wear 
leather in the military. And mm. that's when after going vegan, I was like, well, I can never wear leather there. Therefore I can never go in the military. And that was, I thought about joining around the time was a freshman in college. So that was when I was 18, I thought about it. And then I didn't end up joining until nine 11. And I was 29 at that point. Okay. So a significant amount of time. Okay. Wow. Um, so prior to, I guess my assumption, which is so interesting is that you went mm -hmm. vegan later in life. Cause in my head, I can't even make the connection of like you being vegan already and going into the military. So I later in life, as in, I wasn't an adult because I was, I went vegan at eight at 19. Okay. I was vegetarian at 18, vegan at 19. What influenced you there? How did that happen? The whole vegan vegetarian journey. So let's think back. Cause again, you're, you were ahead of your time. Very, I would say not necessarily in the best way. I mean, especially, you know, I'm, this is like 25. When did, when did Burger King come out with a vegan burger? Like last year. So mm -hmm. 27 years before they did that, Carl's Jr. has Beyond Burgers. I can go That's to crazy anywhere and, and get a, a Beyond Burger. It, it's nuts. And also not only that, but they have Beyond uh, Breakfast Sandwiches there and Dunkin' Donuts. Have wow. Sandwiches. Now you have to ask them, don't put the cheese on, don't put the egg on. <laughs> don't put this. But I mean, it, it's I don't exciting. know. It, it, it's totally exciting. And I love living in this age of easy vegan. I, mm. you know, sometimes uh, I talk to some people and they're like, oh, if it's a mock meat or something easy, you shouldn't eat it. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm almost at 30 years of doing this. Anything that can make it easier is better. And uh, I, I literally think at this point, if it was any easier, I the only way it could be easier is if someone held me like a baby, chewed my food up, had <laughs> it in my mouth. Like, what are people asking for? They want everything uh, posted to them? I mean, it, it, seriously, it's, it's super, super yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah. I got us derailed, but what is, how did you become vegan or vegetarian at 18 and then vegan at 19? So before I, I went vegetarian or vegan, I gave up drinking in my first week of college. Wow. So I was heavily into the punk rock scene. There was mm -hmm. a band called Minor Threat, which is about kind of like be, becoming your authentic you by not uh, muddying your brain and your body with poison and drugs and stuff like that. And I... That resonated with me because I spent my senior, what would be senior week in that whole uh, summer before my, between my senior of, of, of uh, right after I graduated from high school to my freshman, in, uh, became a freshman in college. I spent that whole summer working on a ship and, with alcoholics. Mm. So instead of like being able to see, you know, like, Instead of it being like, yay, it's like senior week and a bunch of 18 year olds are drinking and it's all fun. It was like 40 to 50, 60 year olds getting drunk and like Ooh. shitting themselves and getting in the fights and, and seeing that as the, the wonderful world of alcoholism. Yeah. And, and Where were you? 
that was all up and down the East Coast with the okay. ship. And so that got me thinking, I really, I need to make sure that, like, make sure that never becomes me. Mm. And somehow it solidified, it started to just it as an idea, oh, I could go, go straight edge, which people, it's incredible when you tell someone that they don't, you don't drink, they automatically assume you're, you're a recovering alcoholic. Yes. Or, uh, or that you're, you just are not fun. And I'm like, well, I mean, I, I kind of think I'm fun at least sometimes. And yes. no, I, no, no, I'm not an alcoholic or a, a former, I mean, I don't have anything against those people. A lot of them are my, my patients, but that's not me. Mm-hmm. I went into, to college my freshman year, kind of with that idea. Someone threw me a beer first week out. I, I took a sip and I'm like, yeah, you know what? fuck all this I'm straight edge and yeah and, and that was kind of like a feeling right there of like it weirdly was the most rebellious thing I I could possibly do because in high school yeah I, I drank in high school like everyone I knew like mm-hmm. uh, and that was rebellion but weirdly saying I would not be drinking those you know or doing drugs or getting into substances was more of a rebellion. It said, Hey, like I will be my authentic self and you're going to have to like it, whether you, you know, or or at least you're going to have to deal with it. And so after doing that and having that, that thought uh, somehow, I think through bumping into people who I had dabbled with being vegetarian, uh, that idea was exposed to me that, uh, that, and I think I, I, it was actually from a girl that I had dated had, she wasn't even vegetarian. She had just said she didn't eat veal. And I, I remember ridiculing that idea. I was like, I, not because she was being, didn't want to be cruel to cows, but that she still ate beef. Or, right. Or cows. right. She just didn't eat what, like the baby, baby cow. I'm like, so what happens when the cow grows up? I thought, I was like, this idea is ridiculous. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's a, it's contradictory. But what that I, that exposure to that idea had put it in my head in the very back of it, but made me think, you know, why do people eat animals? It's not like we're cavemen. It's not like there's any need for it. It's not like, I mean, and then the whole, I, it, it just kind of was in the back of my head. Yeah. So when Lent rolled around, cause I was raised Catholic and mm. up until I, I went college I at least kind of you know kind of followed along with whatever they were doing my mom asked me okay it's time for Lent what are you going to give up for Lent and to be a snarky and maybe an asshole I said oh I'm going to not eat meat now <laughs> nowadays if you told someone you weren't eating meat for 40 days they'd be like oh that sounds like a like a nice cleanse or something right that like some celebrity might endorse but then that was basically like a fuck you to science because science said that you needed to eat animals. Nutrition said that too. Then uh, what about all these institutions? What about this, that, and the other? And I said, nah, I'll be fine. I'm just going to not eat meat. And people literally said, nice knowing you like with a, like, not, not a joke, but they thought I was going to die. Oh my God. Or get very sick. Did any of that happen? No. Just being vegetarian for 40 days, nothing happened. Maybe I felt a little bit better. I was a, a college wrestler at that point um, in great shape. I was fine. Right. 
And at that point, just being straight edge, being vegetarian, opened my mind up to the kind of like, I, I heard the word vegan. And at some sh shows, people uh, were passing around leaflets from PETA because there was no internet at, at that time. Right. So I got a leaflet from, from PETA at a, I can't remember what the band was, but on seeing it and then kind of starting to, to read, read up on it, I was like, hmm, this is kind of interesting and kind of weird how why people would eat an egg from a chicken and feel like that's a need or like drink, you know, milk for baby cows. And then that got me starting to thinking about the byproducts and because before I just been like vegetarian, I'm like, oh, okay, look at me, I'm, I'm doing something good. Right. Uh, most people thought I was thought being vegetarian itself was insane. <laughs> uh, so vegan wasn't even like it just vegetarian was mind blowing. Right. Uh, and then I remember I I delivered uh, pizzas for Domino's my I guess the summer after my freshman year and. I started that experience still eating cheese pizza. And then in the middle of it, I would, I was like, not so into, you know, eating cheese anymore. And I would just peel the cheese off pizza. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of it, I was like, oh, it has to be like made without it, or I'm not going to eat it. I don't want, I don't want that shit touching anything I'm going to eat. That's disgusting. And that was 1992. Wow. 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 I think it's so what's striking me most is how this how our society is set up to a point where choosing to not drink alcohol and choosing to make dietary choices and be vegan is rebellious. Isn't that ridiculous? Isn't that wild? <laughs> like those are the rebellious things. Yeah. It's crazy. I haven't drank in like 13 months. Hmm. Um, and I started because it was skyrocketing my anxiety. I was having some mental health stuff and I was like, I'm just going to take a break. Hmm. And then I just kind of kept not drinking. I was like, I feel so much better. And now I don't even think about it. But what I noticed in the beginning was how uncomfortable it made other people, hmm. you know, like I'd go out with my friends and sit at the bar and get some tea and I'm gregarious and I don't need alcohol to talk to anybody. And people be like, oh, should I not drink? Are you okay? Is something wrong? I'm like, I, I just want some tea. Like it was so much more huh. stressful for other people than it was for me, which I think is so interesting. Yeah. Well, that, and it depends if you're just going out to have fun versus you're going out to get fucking like mm -hmm. hammered. I mean, those are two, it's, our culture and to be fair to America, I, I mean, cultures, a lot of other cultures I've been into part of like drinking to the point where you're like, you're, you've lost control is kind of part of it. Yeah. Which, which I mean, I guess I get, but it's not really my jam. Was that hard in college just because binge drinking is such a cultural thing? It was I guess it was hard in college, very absurd in Japan because the Japanese drinking culture is very pressury. Oh, wow. And then in the military, it was like off the charts. But I think through all of this, it has made me a very strong person. Mm. Like, uh, 
I mean, and having that will, I mean, helps me in every, almost everything I do today, especially I, I work with, uh, work with veterans on a med surge telemetry floor, often people who have had crazy trauma or they're going through dementia or alcohol withdrawal and just having like the, I, and again, I think it comes from having so many years of, of, of being able to having to be strong, mm-hmm. just say like, Hey, sir, I need you to do this. Right. And there's no like B or C it's this, <laughs> this is what we're going to do. And I mean, you can, we can, you can take all the time you want with it, but this is how it's going to be. Right. Because the B and C are not options. It's this. And nine times out of 10, it just works because they're like, well, okay. I mean, fuck that. Give me that. That's my only Here option. I know I had a, a demented patient uh, today who they were just unable to do anything with. I'm like, no worries. I'm like, Mr. Such and such, I need you to sit. We're going to like, draw your blood. And he would try to move. And I was, no, we're okay. And it took two or three minutes and then I got him to sit and I turned his arm over and we drew, drew blood. And I was just, I think, I think the fact that it wasn't like, I wasn't like, well, sir, if you want, if you, if you don't want it, you know, it was right. like, no, it's going to be the, and that's, there's no, this is the, this is the way the highway is going. It doesn't, it, there's no reverse in the highway. Does that, do you think that's influenced too by your time in the military? Very much so. I mean, I, the Sergeant Vegan comes from, I was a Sergeant. So, right. I, and yeah, no, I mean, I was in charge of people and stuff. So mm-hmm. having, having that, uh, that experience of t- telling people like, Hey, this is how it's going to be. This is what you're going to do. And this is how it's going to be. Uh, at first, probably it was a weird switchover. Cause, uh, for a lot of time in the military, I is just in charge of making sure my platoon was was safe right. and just taking making sure I was safe but then then when it converted to I have to tell other people what to, like tell other people how they should do things and what you know that that was kind of a transition what was it like being vegan and straight edge in the military so being vegan straight edge in the military Hmm, that's a good question. I think being vegan straight edge in America is different from being vegan straight edge in Japan is different from hmm. doing it in Europe. And it also depends on, I think the big thing is what you're doing and who your friends are, right. and what, your, what your job is, what your social circle, for example, in Japan, very big drinking culture. So people would kind of look at me, their first, first thought is, oh, it's weird that you're a white guy. Then it's a weird that you're a white guy and you speak Japanese. And then it's a weird that you're a white guy, speak Japanese, but you don't drink. And then on top of that, you don't eat animals. Like what the, what the fuck is going on? Who are you? Exactly. (laughs) And then in Europe, a little bit of the same, but then I knew a lot of vegan straight edge or at least some vegan straight edge people in, in Europe when I lived in Italy and in Japan, I knew some too. So if in my, my close circle it was like you know and being in the states like yes some people they they look at us kind of like we're weird but then your friends are like yeah i get it like it's not that it's not weird i mean it's as weird as we are so right uh in the military also a big drinking culture so they look at that weird uh, obviously the same thing as they would look at being 
uh, being vegan as kind of like a weird thing, especially if you're from Texas and you've never mm. met somebody who's not from Texas. And then on top of that, they're telling you that plants have all the protein that you need. I'm sure it's a <laughs> cultural experience. Yeah. Uh, I think the straight edge thing didn't come up as much in the military unless we were just quote unquote in garrison, meaning able to do whatever we want. If you're in training, whether it's boot camp, usually airborne school, whether I was in RIP or doing other training, you're mostly in a, in a dry environment. So you're okay. and deployed too, except for some circumstances where people might've been able to get uh, booze on the sly, usually it's a dry environment. So uh, other than smoking, I mean, no one I knew that was a smoker going into the military quit because it's not, not it's the whole smoke them if you got them kind of nonsense that you see on TV. It still yeah. exists to some extent, uh, even in 2020, I'm sure wild not in basic training but if you're deployed what are you doing other than waiting for something bad to happen or or, or on the way to it you know right so, how is it like to be vegan in the military well it depends on what you're doing what your branch is where you are and whether you're in a training scenario whether you're deployed whether you're right in person so for me it wasn't always bad to be vegan in the military when i was i was stationed in italy i had access to plenty of vegan food uh, I bring it up, bring up in my book. I had access to a kitchen because I, I pulled some strings and and worked the system to be able to get access <laughs> to a kitchen and get my own apartment. Uh, but while I was in basic training, it was pretty much a suck fest. Uh, it's not that anyone was forcing me to eat meat; was forcing me to eat dairy. I'm sure plenty of people were telling me that vegans were dumb, but uh, no one was actually <laughs> trying to tell me or forcing me to eat anything. It's just that they didn't have uh, vegan options. So breakfast, breakfast might be dry cereal. Why? Because they, I mean, they had cornflakes. Cornflakes are vegan. Right. Uh, did they have soy milk, hemp milk, oat milk, rice milk? You know, no. Uh, they did have cow's milk, which I do not drink. So then the next option was if I wanted something on it, I might put like fruit cocktail on it. Oh God, that sounds so awful. <laughs> it is bad. It is bad <laughs> and I do not recommend it at any point. Uh, but the thing is, I think it wasn't all that bad for me because I realized long ago that almost everything in life is temporary so no whether it's mm. the best thing that's ever happened to you or the worst thing it has an expiration date on it it's you're gonna get through it i remember going on family trips as the only vegan and until my brother went vegan where there wouldn't be anything so i would have like i would make a broccoli sandwich i would take two pieces of bread i would put broccoli on it and eat it at any point is that something like that you're like yum 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 i'm loving it <laughs> no like it's, it, it sucks um, and I have, and most people that I know that have been vegan like me for decades, I'm, I'm, I'm at 28 years and some change. So pretty wow. soon I'm going to come out with three decades. You, if you've been vegan that long, you have almost an infinite amount of, and no shit there I was sucking it up kind of vegan stories. But I think a more important thing for listeners and people who are thinking about going vegan to realize is that shit is in the past. Right. Like, 
like, yeah, me and people that I know that are like me have paved the way. We ha- were there. We were, we would choose to not eat an animal in literally any circumstance. Right. But now it's more the, cir- more the choice of there you are. You're in Carl's Jr. Do you get the Beyond Burger, <laughs> which is extremely delicious <laughs> as long as you ask for no cheese? Or do you eat a dead animal? basically roadkill i mean it's right uh the i guess your only question is fries and the soda or do you like try to pretend that you're being healthy and just drink water like (laughs) like there's the it's it's i guess that's where vegan is now and that's where vegan always should have been right oh yeah i i like to make make sure that we always go back to that fact because i think when we harp too much on you know, the, war, the quote unquote vegan war stories. Uh, I think people get lost in the, the fact that vegan is so s- super easy. And if you're not doing it, you got to question yourself, like, why, why not? Well, and I think that I always love those memes or when people post about stuff, um, when someone tells them, I've never eaten anything vegan. And it's like, uh, yeah. an apple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, someone brought up the other day Skittles. Have you ever had Skittles? Then you have had a vegan snack. <laughs> yeah. And I remember when I when Skittles first went vegan, because they weren't vegan originally. Mm-hmm. When they first went vegan, we ate Skittles all the time. And now <laughs> I can't stand Skittles. <laughs> Overdid it. If someone offers them to me, I'll be like, Ugh. Can't do it. Yeah. It would it I would have it would have to be some extreme circumstances. Did, were you like kind of razzed in the military for being vegan. Cause I interviewed sure. John rush. He's a Canadian pro football player. Okay. And he was worried at first about sharing that he was vegan. Like if there would be repercussions. What that people would, would make fun of him. Like, well that, and if they were going to like question his ability to be a strong athlete and be on the field. I can understand that. Not that it, not that eating plant-based or vegan has any effect on that, but right. only in that perception. Uh, in that you, I mean, some of the per, some of the shit that I got was was fact based, in that I was trying out to be a ranger, and I think the bottom line was not to overstate it, but I I remember the in process day where he said, "Men, rangers are not soldiers; they are fucking killers." I mean, that was kind of the mentality. And here I am like, I'm a really good medic, but I'm obviously not a killer. Right. (laughs) I mean, like, I'm more likely to try to save someone than kill them. So maybe that I could see that being called into question, especially if you're like, you know, if your mentality is let's go kill some motherfuckers, kind of like that. Right. I, air, I you can't see the air quotes probably on the podcast, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> which I can understand men, that mentality. And if you get in the mentality, I can understand if in the military where you would question, you know, vegans. Now, granted, I was a medic and, and let's go save some motherfuckers might be more, more my mentality. Right. Right. Uh, no air quotes for that. <laughs> but if you're a football player, it's kind of a similar mentality. You know, or it's like super, super ah, macho or whatever. But uh, yeah, I get it. I get, I mean, military is kind of a gang frat mentality. 
Like it's very us against them. Even, even just within branch, within people are doing a similar thing. It's so us against them. Like uh, hmm. I remember as uh, someone trying out to be a ranger, there was so much like complete d- disdain for non-paratroopers and people they're basically like if you're not at least a paratrooper you're a complete piece of shit wow uh like we mostly them but i mean everyone called people that were not paratroopers legs uh because apparently like that basically yeah would sometimes to their faces like like we would go to a, a dining facility and call it a defac mm-hmm. called the leg defac and we would just call it the leg defac and call them that while we were there and that's kind of the the attitude that the military i bit basically i think why it creates that it creates a tribalism right that's intentional right oh yeah it's part of in process it's part of you create a person for a job and you create the person who has the mentality for that job because you're you're cre- going to be creating you're passing on not only the the how you do something but how you think about doing something right which is fascinating um, and also kind of scary that that oh it's it's process. should be terrifying but you know some of it is necessary especially with like my job it was never totally asked upon me but it was always kind of like possibly there that we we're going to ask you to do some shit that would probably get you killed and bare minimum, we're going to ask you to jump out of an airplane right. with a whole bunch of equipment. And if you don't do that, you're fucking out of here. Right. Which is a pretty heavy bare minimum. Yeah. So you kind of create this, this persona and you're kind of uh, brainwashed into it. And I think part of the brainwashing, to be fair to the military, is necessary to kind of kind of squash those thoughts of, hey, maybe I shouldn't be doing this shit because it's counterproductive to to me living through this right or you know that's dark so yeah but anyway i that's i guess one of the things about being a sergeant vegan and that like yeah the sergeant you know sergeant vegan it's a playful take on the fact that i was vegan in the military but i was definitely in the military so that's you know i think it's good to be multifaceted when people are only like oh yes i'm this and it's just that you know it's kind of a boring kind of boring too i think i think people should be multi-dimensional and be able to see other people's focuses whether it's uh right. you know politics or food or whatever you know did you convert anyone in the military to veganism probably not when you were eating frosted flakes no, with I, fruit cup i had a lot of conversations about it and i know people dabbled in plant-based on talking to me uh i think what i did more than making someone or pushing someone to go full vegan or plant-based or whatever is i know i made people rethink whatever like like snickering uh jokes they might have about vegans especially when i was beating them in a physical fitness test and like laughing Flapping them and like yelling as I ran by, it's because you're not vegan. Or, <laughs> like, I, my part of where the Sergeant Vegan came came about as creating a character is 
There was this wrestling uh, character called Sergeant Slaughter. It was a G.I. Joe character, I think. Okay. And I thought it would be funny to apply how I was in the military, which was way over the top, way overdoing it, as a way to basically shut up some people who were talking about talking shit about me being vegan. So right. I would try to outdo them. So and call them uh, a fucking wuss for not working out enough. Right. And then basically call into question their whole like, well, I eat meat. Well, who fucking cares if I'm beating you right here? Yeah, good for you. Yeah. It just goes to show whatever the fuck you thought you were doing is not good enough. So it it was kind of silly, but it was it was kind of out of necessity because I, I thought, you know, I'm as especially in the reserves, I was in charge of, uh, of medics. I can't, I basically can't have these guys, uh, talking shit on, on me, especially for this. And there's no way that I could hide. Right. At that point too, I had vegan power on my car, like gigantic. Across <laughs> the windshield, so there was no hiding it from day one, but I decided that I didn't, well, I've never hid being vegan, but it's even, especially then instead of like trying to just have it be a part of me, have it be like out in the open, you know where I stand and who I am. So is that why you wrote the book Vegan Strong is to kind of break through those stereotypes? Like I said before, I've, I've been vegan for now 28 years. And something that I've seen throughout the years that's bothered me is that being vegan is awesome. It is the best way to eat both for your health, for the planet, and to gain muscle and to be fit. But people have done a really poor job in the PR department of making vegan look cool. Right. And have done a very poor job of showing people that vegan is normal. And why? Yes. I think it's because, unfortunately... I think people have often taken this as like part of a package deal of being a, I don't know, should I put this, uh, being a weirdo? Like they're <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to go vegan and that's great. But then I'm also going to hate, hate the government, be like, you know, listen to wacky music. And as a former punk rocker, I can say, listen to wacky music. I, mean, I, can <laughs> I still listen to punk and hardcore and metal, but it becomes this checklist of, of weird or a rebellion when yeah i guess i guess i mean as as someone who went through it being vegan was seen as an act of rebellion especially in my teens and yeah being vegan made me different in japan and in the military right but there is nothing inherently weird about choosing to not destroy the planet or eat a dead animal in fact uh in a it's kind of like in a training scenario where, or not even a training scenario where it you're in some kind of survival situation where you have to eat something that's awful and disgusting. Hey, I get it. But, right. You know, if, if there's that, uh, I was in the tundra and we had to eat our horse or something like that. I, I, you know, I get it, whatever you got to do to survive. But if you're going to like McDonald's and buying a burger, you're not doing that to survive. Like yes. that is not inherently necessary for you to be breathing. That's, and most people that I've seen that go to McDonald's and my patients that eat that crap, they're do doing the opposite. It's something that's leading to their, you know, to their demise, not survival. Yes. Yes. So, so being a nurse, 
a registered nurse, an RN, and being vegan, how does that play into your job? So I work nights, so I don't really, I'm not really there around mealtime, A. B, I'm not usually there when most people who are not demented or going through withdrawals for drug and alcohol are awake. Like if you're like a quote unquote normal patient, like, and I, I rarely see these, like I would call them like the unicorn where they're like a normal, a normal dude. Cause most veterans are guys, but like, I guess 10% of, of uh, veterans are women, maybe a little less, but a normal male or female who's, who is normally healthy, but then uh, my heart hurts. And I go, I see that like that, that is such a rare occurrence where someone would, would have those kind of uh, that kind of situation where they they're quote unquote normal other than a heart condition, which in a perfect world, that's the only patients I should be seeing. Instead, I have my patients are there for dementia or drugs or some kind of stuff. So the patients that I would see in a perfect world who are just there for their heart, they would be sleeping at night. But those are the only people that would probably benefit from right. hearing this, because if you're in late stage dementia, I had of so of my group I had yesterday of my four or five patients, one guy, he's alert nor any times one, which means he only knows his name. He's like, uh, you've ever seen that movie Memento, where he can only remember things for 10 seconds. So trying to have a talk about why oh. you should be vegan or plant based <laughs> with that dude would be would be uh, a waste of time. The other right. guy was, maybe he knows his name and where he is, but at 95 and, you know, I'm, I'm spent most of the shift trying to get him from pulling a urinary catheter out, which would have created this blood volcano out of his penis. So trying to have a talk what an image. <laughs> about, uh, hey, sir, I see you're trying to pull your catheter out, but uh, have you thought about <laughs> going plant-based? <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like that would have been great. Um, uh, you know, the other two, one of the guys might have, you know, he, uh, and then the other guy completely not. Uh, the other guy was there for alcohol, uh, alcohol, and you know, I think there was a, a one guy who was there for uh, being watched for uh, on suicide watch. So. Yeah, it's, it's extremely rare that I have patients that would be like that. And when they do, or if they ask questions like, hey, I'm like, oh, funny you should ask. You could get off your statins. Yes. Because why are you on so many statins? Because of your diet. By diet, I mean you eat too much meat. And by too much, I mean you eat meat, period. <laughs> if you didn't eat that, we wouldn't need to give you these statins. Uh, but And do those conversations come up? Yes. Uh, do I facilitate them? Yes. But do I push them? No, not, not really. It's not my, not my place to be, you know, if they if they ever like start organically for sure. Right. Uh, usually I'm just like, Hey, sir, here are your medication. Here's what I'm giving you. Here's what we're doing for you. Here's how we're, we're helping you at the moment. Anything else you need? Okay. Uh, talk to you later. Is it hard to be in that system? Like I had somebody, I, have followed for a long time. Her dad had a heart attack and he, and he's fine now, but he was in the hospital and the food they tried to serve him. She was just like, no, this is why, like, this is exactly why this cycle's continuing. Cause he's in the hospital for a heart attack and you're giving him crap. 
Yes, the, the food that we serve our patients at the VA is pretty awful. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we have to acknowledge. But to be fair to the VA, part of the reason is because the American taxpayer, most of them are super, should I say cheap or unwilling to pay taxes? I mean, it's from Tomato, the top tomato. Yeah. I mean, from our, our uh, esteemed president, on down people don't want to pay taxes right uh i mean i think paying taxes and paying into the system is one of the most patriotic things you can do mm, let's pause on that and let that sink in for the you're, listener you're, fund, you're literally funding your country and taking care of the of those that need it so uh so yeah i think actually it's a resource thing Exactly. Actually funding the VA better would, would have us be able to do better things with it. Unfortunately, I think part of that, and I think they would need to have people who are very good at making sure the right things got funded. Cause I could see the wrong person at system take saying, Oh, a budget is X billion or million, or I don't know how many aliens it is. And then saying like, I think we're going to, you know, build some more buildings and some other stuff we don't need. Right. And they kick that back to these people to justify that budget versus right. I know like I know on my floor, what do we need? We need new computers. Most of the computers don't work well. So oh. when I need to be giving a patient a, a med because they really freaking need it, I have to scan something a bazillion times or restart the computer or and this has happened more times than I can count. I go have to find another computer to drag over there. Uh, oh, my gosh. And that's an issue or vital signs machines. Most of our vital signs machines are like look like they're from the 90s, which I know for people doesn't seem that old, but it's old. And they're field. falling apart. And when you need a vital signs machine to see like, this guy says he can't breathe, but how is his oxygen saturation? If it's 100%, well, then maybe it's more psychological. But if it's 70%, then we need to do something immediately about this. But if I can't find one because we only have a couple of them and they're all busted up, you know, that creates another problem. So, wow. yeah, I think, I think that would be a huge thing, getting better food, getting better equipment. But I, the VA and the government in general, this is a, a government that loves to spend money just on stupid things and then charge the taxpayers. And I can see people not wanting to pay for things that we don't need, like extraneous wars or, you know, uh, the president's uh, golf trips in Mar-a-Lago or something. <laughs> Yeah. I love how those can go on the same list, mm. which is also a good segue because what I appreciate about one of the many things I appreciate about following you is how you, you in an approachable way, make topics um, intersect and show the connection between systems and food and government and climate and um, you know, even just talking about this, like veterans and the VA and not having money for food to like help. It's just all so connected. And I think you do that really well. And not only that, but you don't shy away from those conversations. Um, and I really appreciate that. Some of um, your content makes people think it also makes me laugh. There was a video of you in like a Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> yes. Uh <laughs> so I recently, I think you're referring to the video I recently made about hunting. I, yeah. uh, I 
There's a show that I watch uh, or watched because I don't know if it's on anymore called Top Shot about competition shooting. And I went to a best pro shop only because they're always talking it up. And then it's, it, it's basically outdoors, but also hunting and fishing and other kind of things that I don't give a crap about. But right. they had a, a, an indoor, you know, one of those uh, shooting ranges, but it was like, you know, just um, not even airsoft. It was just uh, like electronic. Oh, okay. So I made sure to, to bring some quarters to just shoot up <laughs> this range. And in 2020, why would anyone be, you know, hunting other than doing something like that? Like, you're clearly not doing it for your survival. Right. Uh, none of the people that I talk to that, that hunt uh, are like, you know, living in the, the great outdoors and the outback. And it's, it's that, or they don't, you know, no, these are people, these are people that go shoot up some animals for fun and they do their shopping at Ralph's. Like, <laughs> so, you know, it, you, they pretend, they pretend that it, they're outdoorsmen or it's some kind of like, something for survival but instead they're just being jerks and going trying to use uh their like their desire to abuse animals and kill them uh to make them feel like more manly or whatever crap i don't know well and i think that's that's another thing that i love talking to people with all these intersecting identities and that's something i think you can be a poster child for because all the things we've talked about are so fascinating to fit into one human right and that's how all of us are but it doesn't always feel like we can share those parts so it's we've talked about you being a veteran and um talked about you being vegan and an rn and rewriting what it means uh to be masculine i think yeah i i think i think what part of it is is that people often get either it's passed down from their dad or from their friends. And these days, I think a lot of it is from the internet. They watch videos and then they create this, this checklist for masculinity. It's like, what, it, what does a man look like? What does a man act like? And they're like, oh, okay. Uh, I see from these movies that a guy is always confident and acts like an asshole to women and, you know, supports the second amendment no matter what and uh you know this that and the other and that's where they get to think that this uh this idea it's i don't think that it's necessarily that people are you know you don't have to put a value judgment like good or bad or whatever it's they get this picture of this is what it's socialized exactly like oh i people think they should also be like a little bit insecure in their in their uh, in their sexual preference. So any, anything people, you know, saying that you're gay or something like that is that you should be worried about. And, and also being around people that are gay should make you worried. Like, which makes no sense to me at all. And this is why it makes no sense to me if we're, if I'm going to get on this topic is that, so if you think about it rationally, people that are gay, if you're straight are only, only means that it's less competition. (laughs) <laughs> so if you were in a room full of gay dudes and one chick, it means it's only you and her. Like, you got this. So why you would be like worried about them. Right. Except if that you're secretly worried that you're gay. That you're going to catch it. 
Yeah, like it's some kind of fucking disease. Like, come on, people. Like, people have always been either gay or straight or whatever. So why that it would be something that concerns you? Kind of like the whole transgender thing. Like, if anything, we should feel compassion and like, man, in a world where there's so much to worry about, in a thing in a world where there's so many scary things. Yes. Here are people that feel like they're trapped in their in in the wrong gender's body. How completely terrifying that must be. So to have anything but empathy and compassion for these people makes no sense. A and B, like yet once again, what are you worried that you're gonna catch something from them? Like you're right. gonna be like, maybe I should change my my gender. Or are you worried that maybe you're kind of like secretly going to do the same thing? Like, like all of that it's wild. is ridiculous to me. And lastly, if it, if it's anything because of Jesus, because a lot of the people that are, For sure. like that are very religious, Jesus, and I can say this as a, a, a former Catholic and someone that's read the Bible, Jesus never goes out and says anything about people that are gay. Mm -hmm. He never goes out and says anything about people that are, are trans. In fact, he only talks about people in a way of love and acceptance. So if you want to look in the Bible, and by Bible, I'm talking about, um, as a Christian, I'm talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, if okay. you're going to mention some Old Testament shit to me, that's not has nothing to do with Jesus. And if we're going to talk about the Old Testament, that uh, those are books that are talking about the experience of the Jewish people. And from almost everyone, and I think I say almost everyone because I, I know a lot, I've met a lot of people or have friends that are Jewish, but none of them have ever expressed overt uh, homophobic stuff to me. They've all been very accepting people. So, you like why it's just the people that I know that are like Christian that would feel that way about. Right. That makes no sense. So, yeah, if, if anything, Jesus would would uh, would question your uh, their overt homophobic and kind of like kind of like creepiness, I think. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. To all of the above. That is I think what you just articulated is something sometimes I get tongue tied around because I'm not very familiar with the Bible. I like kind of push that off for m most of my well, life. You're not missing much, but the, the <laughs> kind of like, as a, as a, a Catholic, I can say that I can also say, <laughs> I can also say that reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you only get one thing you get. God is love. Basically you get a bunch of Bob Marley songs. <laughs> you know? I mean, seriously, that's what Jesus was, was talking about. So for anybody to take, those books and then find some hate in it maybe i mean jesus occasionally would talk about hating money in the church or he he also kind of i think he, he got asked on the topic and he uh i think he hated divorce which uh i might not be with him on that i think when people are in an unhappy marriage sometimes people aren't meant to be together i mean yeah it's mm -hmm. sad if you're not meant to be together okay well i mean better move on Right. But uh, but Jesus wasn't hateful, at least when asked about it. Maybe maybe personally he was, but he he kept that to himself, you know. So whatever I don't know when if you read any of that, you would basically just get hey this is he more Jesus more or less comes off as 
as the hippie you knew at some veg fest, like with a tie dye shirt and then like, you know, bless. He said things like blessed are the meek, like mm -hmm. where you get where the evangelicals will get like basically might meets might makes right, right. out of, you know, blessed are the meek they shall inherit the earth. Like Jesus is a fucking hippie. He and if you go by what Jesus said, if everybody did that, the world would be a, a better place. Oh my sure. gosh. But instead, I, I feel like uh, religion and especially like whatever kind of creepy Christianity they're pulling out of that has only been used to justify bad things. Like, yes, I used the religion to justify slavery, which Jesus would for sure not have been down with. For sure. He wasn't white. <laughs> yeah, well, he wasn't white. And not only that, he was about equality fairness he would not no jesus would not have been cool with uh with slavery or or the the modern day racism we have jesus wouldn't have been cool with. i mean that I, is I, jesus was was existed i don't know you could argue that either way i'm forever gonna refer to the bible as a bunch of bob marley songs from here on out <laughs> if i take one thing away from this <laughs> so let's be clear uh the New Testament, specifically the books with Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, could be, I think, basically considered Bob Marley. But the Old Testament would definitely be Slayer, because <laughs> you basically have you basically have famine, disease, death. You have like all kinds of crazy shit. God burning people, like sacrifice your son, like all kinds of like wackadoodle shit. Mm -hmm. I don't know why anyone would be into uh, very creepy stuff. Um, I think if you actually made a book, a movie based on the Old Testament, it would have to be rated triple uh, X. I mean, no. It's terrifying. Terrifying stuff. Oh, my gosh. So given everything that you do. Okay. And how you are, as someone else who's trying to make the world a little bit of a better place. Um, how do you kind of drop in and take care of yourself and recharge? Before before uh, the military, I mostly ran. And now post-military, now I just lift. I enjoy it. I, I feel right. great doing it. And it's great for your health. So I spend a lot of time doing that. I also like writing. I'm, I obviously wrote Vegan Strong, but I'm currently finishing up my second book, which is actually a children's book called The Adventures of Sergeant Piggy. And for me, creating and writing, it's a way to take me out of all the things, especially negative things, because I, I'm, I mean, like all of us in this crazy political climate, and in this COVID climate, we're just kind of almost drowning in negativity. But mm. being like working with sick people and I guess sick and dying people would be a better way to put it 12 hours a day for most of the week. Uh, it's really easy to just get like almost a feeling of drowning in just the negative. So I like to be able to leave that at work, right? to come home, to create, to kind of like put myself in a better space. Uh, because there is so much that's positive and awesome about the world, no matter mm -hmm. who is president, 
no matter what is going on, the world is an awesome, wonderful place. And I think if we lose sight of that in the, the few negative things that are currently going on, I think we, we lose that balance. And I think also we're in, in the military, we'd say combat effective or combat ineffective. I think as activists or people that are trying to make it through the world, when you get caught up in the negative and you don't think of the positive you don't keep that PMA or that positive mental attitude. I think it's easy to get kind of burdened down by the bad stuff. Yes. And then when people talk to you, they only are, they only are left with a negative feeling, kind of like a, an aftertaste of like swallowing a vitamin where you're like, you want to get, you know, you want to get rid of that. Yeah. Like, Oh, you know, I talked to this person and, you know, they talk to me about veganism or whatever. And instead of feeling, you know, sad about all the, you know, starving children or suffering animals, they you felt like, oh, yeah, like life is great. We're we're doing well. You get that kind of like a like a, a push, a charge, you know. Well, and you want to leave a conversation with feeling like, oh, that was helpful. There's something I can do. Yeah. Instead of leaving it and being like, wow, the world sucks and there's nothing I can fucking do about it. Yeah, no, nobody, I, I don't think that that feeling of dread and doom and gloom is positive. My, so my folks are super into politics and I think they are part of the reason that I'm a slightly interesting or like complex person in that they're both super Catholic, super Christian and very liberal and very, my, my dad was a, a scientist. My mom was a teacher. So very much into education wow. and learning too. So I think I, but occasionally they get o- overly caught up with the negative politics and how right. much they hate Trump and this, that, and the other. And I think being able to, to talk to them and navigate that and realize, yeah, like there is plenty of things that bum me out, but that realize that there's also plenty of things that are great and that no person that you talk to is going to be either completely good or completely bad. Right. I'm sure even some of the worst people had their good qualities and, you know, some of the, even the best people had their bad qualities. Right. So I think, I think just kind of keeping like an open mind and kind of like being a, even keel about things and not letting yourself get bogged down by all the negative is very important. Yeah. I could not agree more. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you or haven't shared that you need space to share? Um, hmm. uh, I would, uh, I would encourage anyone that's curious to uh, check me out on social media. I'm Sergeant vegan. That's SGT vegan on Instagram and Facebook, uh, SGT, sgtvegan.com on the web. The book is called Vegan Strong, and that's available on Amazon. I can put all that in the show notes for people to find you really easily, too. Sweet, sweet. And, and if it wasn't for COVID, I would probably be in a town near you uh, speaking about veganism and my book. i Pre-COVID, I was traveling around. I'm, I currently have on my docket trying to advocate in, in the uh, advocate for the animals in all 50 states, and I'm at mm. 
think I'm almost at 30 and I was going to start uh, finishing up the 50 and then start to start to go to every country. But then COVID hit and now I've been doing it virtually, which uh, not the same. You know, it's, a, it's not the same. It's it's a lot easier. I mean, right. driving through Wyoming like last year <laughs> and Montana, uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, states. But some of that shit sucks because you're yeah. Uh, it's like, how, how can it be snowing in October? What kind of sh- shit is this? It but, uh, snowed up here. I'm in Northern Minnesota this morning, yeah. October 1st. I was actually supposed to be in Min- Minnesota this year until that shit got canceled. Okay. So I would say, actually, let me, let me change that. Not canceled, but postponed. There you go. There you so go. Hopefully next year. Oh, la- uh, last thing I would like to mention so I know this kind of dates us a little bit, but I don't think it's going to go away within the next couple months. COVID-19 is real. It does affect people. And for the, the, uh, the super hippies that believe that their immune system protects them and they don't need a mask, uh, I would say, yes, you might be correct that your immune system is protecting you, but the mask is not just for you. It's for other people. When I wear a mask with my patients, I'm not wearing a mask solely so I don't get sick. I'm wearing a mask so they don't get sick. Right. And so I think people need to need to, to reconsider this anti-masker stuff. It doesn't make you uh, into some kind of like hero or a strong person to want to possibly endanger people that are sick with immune systems that are compromised in our community. So you not wearing a mask and possibly giving this to someone, someone's grandma, someone's mom, someone's Mm -hmm. dad, someone's brother, sister that has a weakened immune system. uh, It only means that you're a selfish jerk. It doesn't mean that you're brave. It doesn't mean that like, Ooh, look at me. I'm going to Walmart without a mask. Like get the (laughs) fuck out of here. Like I, I know that I know that it's inconvenient Right. Uh, to put right. a mask on, just like it might be inconvenient to uh, to not drive drunk if you're drunk, but but people need to stop being jerks about this whole thing. Like, look, like I get you not wanting to do that. I get you not wanting wanting to uh, have to take do the bare minimum to keep others safe. Uh, but just do it, like, and wash your hands, and we can get all get through this. We can get through it and start trying and being able to have fun again, like the way right. we did before around other people and not having to worry that we're going to get our um, most vulnerable and weak and sick among us uh, ill and, and possibly die. So it's only going to get worse during the flu season too, where you have a whole bunch of things commingling. And I, I just think people have to uh, acknowledge that and move on. And I don't understand what the deal with that is. So I would leave you with that. Wear a mask, wash your hands, be safe, go vegans, stay vegan strong. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I hope you enjoyed that episode and you learned how to stay vegan strong with Bill. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening. If you want to help this podcast get into the ears of more listeners, send it to a friend, text it to a family member, share it on social media, however you can help, I would greatly appreciate it.
you want to be read on air as a review of the week in one of my solo podcast episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and you could hear it on air next week. Until next time.